What's going on, film family? Before we get started, I want to talk to you about something, and that's Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Hold on, let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more places. And you can also make money from your podcast. I know that's the part that's the part that everyone's going to like. You can make money with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's get to the show. I know you're smart and I'm proud of you. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Over. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. Just have fun. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Now he's in. Yeah! All right! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. Wendy Peppercorn. Wow. Hey, girls. They've got the moves. Got the rap. Blockhead! Geek! Jerk! Idiot! Moron! You bob for apples in the toilet! And you like it! You play ball like a girl! I got it! I got it! I got it! Oh no! Well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys heard it. At the beginning, you should have heard a trailer for The Sandlot. If I did my job right, if not, we're blaming JB if I not if I did not do my job right. But we're here for another retro mini review. And this week, according to your guys' vote, you want to hear us talk about The Sandlot. So we're here to do it. I'm one of your hosts, CEO Hayes, and I'm joined by my brother, the prodigal one, Mr. JB. What's going on, brother? What's going on, CEO Hayes? What is going on, film family? It's one of my favorites. It's The Sandlot. We're going old school 1993 back to the playground. Black to the playground. And so for anyone who's seen the video, no, we're not wearing the same clothes as last week. But <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Damn. <laughs> You're going to start like changing clothes when we do these double recorded so people don't think we're just dirty motherfuckers. Like <laughs> hey, We haven't showered in three days. <laughs> but... Uh, so I like it's always weird when we do these retro reviews because it's like do I really do we really give a plot synopsis for something that almost everyone has seen? If you haven't seen the Sandlot, you're too young to be listening to this podcast. That's the way that I feel about it. Absolutely. You listen. You want to you want a synopsis? Nine people play baseball. Baseball gets lost. They try to attack or go after the, the ball, trying to pickle a dog. They got the ball and the movie. And so this movie is is noticeably like a, a big part of my life because not not that we did it right after seeing the movie. I don't think so. But we got a, a, a Mastiff after seeing the dog in this movie, which is an old English Mastiff. Um, so that this movie always makes me remember Mufasa, which was our the name of our uh our our massive now he was brindle he wasn't brown but so it's, it's just like you know you always when you watch old movies like this you get the, that nostalgic feeling and it's like all right that's that's mine for this one and he was a big scary slobbery ass dog just like the one <laughs> what was his name mufasa that was his name oh mufasa. you said that okay yeah, right yeah, that's cool that's really cool yeah man so i'm i'm definitely happy that we're doing this movie um i mean 
Let's just get into it, I guess. Let's get into it. So, this movie is, I think, overall, like, the story that's really told in this movie, if we're getting from, like, a sentimental point of view, is really about letting go, right? Would you would you say that? I say, I say it's letting go, but also at the same time, I look at it a little bit of, like, triumph in a way. Okay. On, in multiple Over facets. fears? Over fears? Yeah. yeah. Number one. From um, Smalls, Scotty Smalls, because he he's kind of an introvert. He makes friends. He learns how to play baseball. He's getting over fear after fear. And then also with uh, Benny towards the end, like uh, going with you know going after the beast and getting the baseball. Yeah. And so it, it's it's this movie was set in 1962. Um, it came out in 1993. Three. Um. So it was set 30 years before it was it was actually made. Um, and it's a coming of age story. And this is what we get a lot of. Uh, it's funny that, you know, in our in our last Keeping It Real, we talked heavily about Fox. This is a Fox-owned property. So I wonder if we're going to see, like, a, a, it revived on Disney Plus at some point. But um, just the, the, like, I think overall, like, more than anything in this movie, the camaraderie between the group of friends and, like, how they give each other shit. Um, but they really all care about each other. It's, it's, we, we get crushes in this movie. Like, it, it's everything of childhood wrapped into an hour and a half long movie. Yeah, man. I got a lot of nostalgia from this movie because it was like the kids from a neighborhood. Although with us, it wasn't really baseball. It was more basketball, but we still had that camaraderie. We still had that, um, where like, you you know, we get up, we play basketball and then you do things outside of only basketball in my, uh, you know, case where like you went to the fairs or you went to the park or you, you know, you, you did different things. So I love seeing all that. I mean, I, it just brought back so many memories. And like you said, it was shot back in uh, 19. Well, the setting is 1962. And um, this movie actually was shot in 42 days, which when I read that, I was like, holy wow. crap. I mean, 42 wow. days. It's not a long movie. It's like an hour and 40 minutes, maybe, but 42 days. And um, I do have the, the box office numbers here, which is it's phenomenal because there's something that jumped out at me. First of all, the budget of this movie was seven million, and it grossed thirty four million worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. Which so it's not it's not too bad. But the the thing that really jumped out at me was this movie later became a cult classic, which is kind of fair to say. DVD slash VHS sales seventy five million dollars. Wow! So the whole movie with everything you're talking over hundred million dollars. That's a success. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a success, especially when it's made for. Um, and I just quick Google. A, there is a TV series being made about this on Disney Plus, so there will be a TV series based on Sandlot to come out on Disney Plus, and I think this is a perfect one for it. I don't know if they're gonna like move it up and set it more contemporary, but I'm I'm all for that. I think that when you um when you talk about like the budget and the fact that it was shot in 42 days. Now, was this? Were the child labor laws in place then? Because I know there's like now a limit on how much a, a child actor can act per like day. So maybe that that's why it was shot 42 days. Like they they kind of had a they can only work them a certain amount of time during the day. To be honest with you, I really don't know if the child labor law was. A, you know what? It definitely 100 percent was a thing. You know why I say? Because I know for a fact uh, Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen, mm-hmm. the child labor law was a thing that, during that time, and that, that show came out You're before right. 93. You're right. So, yeah, it was absolutely a child labor law. Originally, this movie, I think, was supposed to be with, like, 
seven and eight year olds, but they went with a little bit of older cast, which I'm so happy because I enjoy the cast and we're going to, we're going to get into the, uh, to the cast in a second, but yeah, I mean, um, David Evans, I don't really know anything about this director. I don't know if he's done anything after or before this, but, um, he did a good job. And actually the director, David Evans, he also was the voice behind the narration as well throughout, which I thought was a great touch. Like, you don't see too many movies. It reminded me of you know. You remember that show, The Wonder Years? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it kind of reminded me of that with the um with the na- narration. I enjoyed the narration. It added a, a different element to the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think when especially when you're doing a coming of age story and you have that adult voice that's supposed to be the adult of uh, version of one of the characters, it adds like a an eeriness to it. I guess if that's the way you want to go, because it feels like now you're reflecting back on your, on your childhood times. And now us being adults, it kind of put me in the place of reflecting back on the times when I originally started watching this movie. So it, yeah, it, it, it really hits from all, from all angles with that one. Um, but let's get into like some of the characters, because this is basically an ensemble movie. It's a coming of age movie. And a lot of those movies bring in a lot of characters that all fit into their different stereotypes back in the day. Who is your favorite character in this movie? Um, that's it's a tie but if i have to pick one i'm gonna go with squints and i also i feel like growing up i feel like growing up i was actually squints as well (laughs) let me ask you let me ask you this and i don't have it here on my phone or on a paper or anything can you name the nine guys scotty smalls of course i don't need the last names but that's fine Scotty scotty um squints who we just said right that's two not off the top of my head. What? Let me. I think I could do it because I've seen this movie a million times. Ham. So right, that's three. Ham. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I got, bro. So there's Scotty Smalls, like you said. There's Ham, Squints, Benny. Oh uh, yeah, Benny. Timmy and Tommy. Okay. Birch, Bertram. That's seven. Yeah, yeah. That's eight. Okay. And uh, Bertram. I know I'm forgetting somebody, and I don't know who it is. Oh, um. Uh, Denunez, the pitcher. I forgot what his Kenny, first name was. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Denunez. Kenny, yeah, yeah, there you go. Bam, you yeah. got him. Um, <laughs> teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. But uh, <laughs> what? Uh, so I mean, let's 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 talk about some of our favorite scenes. What's your favorite scene in this movie? My favorite scene in the movie, actually, um, it's hard. I'm I thinking the the one of the scenes I enjoyed, even though it was pervy, was when um. Squints acted like he drowned and he had Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he kissed Wendy Peppercorn. Actually, there's a backstory behind this because that, that's a Me Too movement moment, bro. Like that. <laughs> in this movie, bro, that is like, yo, that like people like snowflakes these days would be like, yo, that's sexual harassment right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, and actually, I have to tell you something about that in a second. But mm-hmm. before I tell you that, um, there was like the the Squints uh, actor. Um, apparently he was like a little bit of a jokester. I don't know what the case was. And the director told him multiple times before the scene, do not, do not stick your tongue in her mouth. Keep your tongue in his, in your own mouth. Um, which he did. But, um, actually there was a lawsuit wrapped up in this movie that actually made a huge impact on Hollywood. I don't know if you know, but this movie firstly was loosely based on the director's real life. Mm-hmm. Um, except the story with the director was totally not this. Um, his, him and his brother were kind of like, uh, I don't want to say nerds, but they were kind of the outcasts with the other kids. A baseball went over the fence one day and his brother who was younger than him was like, I'll get the ball. And they were like, okay, if you get the ball, you can play with us. So his brother was like, okay, I will get the ball. His brother went, got the ball. But unlike this movie, his brother actually got bit in the thigh. 
So, yeah. So he kind of wanted to like put a happy spin on things and that's why he made the movie. But the character squints is based loosely on someone. The guy, the real life squints actually sued Sandlot and they went to court. The real squints lost the case. And because he lost the case, it was then said and ruled moving forward that in films, you are allowed to um, bring up a character that is inspired and loosely based upon a real person. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to do that without any permission. So that kind of changed Hollywood a little bit because before then you couldn't really do that. So that kind of opened that up. But yeah, um, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of characters here. Yeah. A lot of good moments. What about you? What would, did you say what your favorite moment was? My favorite moment is definitely when fucking Benny's getting chased throughout the whole thing by the dog. Like, it, it all culminates in that movie. Like, for them to be so afraid of the dog, you know, we've, we 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 saw bits and pieces of the dog, like grabbing the ball and XYZ, but when that, when that chain snapped, like, you can't tell me that even to this day when you watch the movie, your heart doesn't start beating just a little bit. Bro, my heart starts beating every time I watch that movie from the point where, like, Benny's looking at the uh, at the baseball and the beast is looking at the baseball and Benny kind of tips his hat and cracks his knuckles. And then you hear that like that, like Western ramped up song and he likes ready to run like my heart started beating because I know what's about to come. Yeah. So I, I, I love the way that scene was shot. Let me ask and you, you something. You playing in the background during the whole chase. If you ha- if your dad had a ball signed by Babe Ruth and you went and played ball with it let's change let's let's put it in something in our in our era since you were basketball if your dad had a a basketball signed by michael jordan or magic johnson and you went and played basketball with it and a dog ran off with it would you go home my dad would whoop my ass (laughs) i don't know what i would do i would i would probably get another ball and have someone sign that shit michael jordan that's what I would, or whoever magic johnson that's exactly what i would do but you know what's funny what would you do um, your dad was in the freaking military. Wait, my dad was in the military and we're a Chicago Bulls fan. So if he had a ball oh. signed by Michael Jordan and I went and played basketball with that shit, I'm just – no, I'm not going home. Like, they're going to have to find me. I'm going to be gone <laughs> so long that by the time they find me, they're just happy that I'm not, like, kidnapped and dead somewhere, that they won't even, he won't even think about the ball. You would have been on the side of a milk carton yeah. back in those times. Yeah, yeah I feel you. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny because I kind of have—I don't know if you do—but I sort of have, and I'm going to tell it really quick, my own Sandlot type of story. It's not really Sandlot, but I remember we were at my cousin's house. I don't even know how old I was, maybe 12, 13. And um, it's funny because the cousins, my cousins, some of them listen to the show, so they're going to remember the story. Anyway, my cousin had a barbecue. We were playing basketball, of course. The ball went over to the over the fence, and over the fence they had two dogs. I don't remember what one of the dogs were. This I think it was a. Actually, I actually don't what it was the second dog though was a um like a husky looked like a wolf and the basketball went over and one of my cousins he was extremely fast when he was younger mm-hmm. and um we were like we all went over to the fence we're like hey you have to go get the ball and it was literally like out of the scene out of sandlot he we were like thinking of strategies to get the ball when we couldn't figure anything out he's like fuck it i'm just gonna run and i'm gonna get the ball and i hope he doesn't go after me and we spent like three hours devising on how he's gonna run and what angle he should run at Time came, the fence open. He ran for the ball, got the ball, ran out. The dog didn't even flinch. Even <laughs> <before>. <laughs> was that, be- that? Was that before? Or after you guys saw this movie? It was. De- de- I don't. I don't know if I saw this movie, but it was definitely after this movie came out. Because this was after I was definitely older than ten. Because in ninety three, I was in ten years old. But here's the thing: the neighbor was friends of my cousin, and he came out and we told him story afterwards. And you know what he said? Why don't you just ring the doorbell? I would have gotten it for you, just like the movie. Wow. <laughs> 
It's crazy. That's, that's crazy. I, I don't have anything quite that way. My dad did have like a bunch of uh, collections. He actually had like a Kansas City Chiefs football that was signed by like, did, was it the last time the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl or the playoffs? Like, I don't know how he got it. Like, they haven't been to the fucking Super Bowl in like 60 years. Forever. They're going this year. Yeah. But it was signed. I think it was the last time they had went to the, and I had, I had taken it out the case to like throw it, like just toss it around the house, not With thinking his about knowledge. Yeah, no, fuck no, <laughs> not thinking about what it is. Not, but I literally had it for like three minutes before he saw him. He's like, "Don't you ever fucking touch this again." So, yeah. Do you have an item like that that like your kids better not even dare look at? Yeah, uh, North Carolina uh, Michael Jordan jersey. I don't think I have any item like that. I did when I was young, man. Like I had actually owned a Michael Jordan rookie card. Don't even ask me where it is. I'm sure it's worth thousands bro, of dollars. Bro, you're sitting, you're sitting on the retirement right there. Last, the last time I looked up a Michael Jordan rookie card, depending if it's like a tops one, I think that it's worth like fifteen thousand dollars, bro. I want to say it is. I honestly don't remember, bro. But I remember when I was younger, my mom, we were, me and my brother were really into like collecting sports cards, baseball cards, basketball, whatever. My mom bought me a whole Jordan set. There's like 785 cards in the set. And as I was going through, I saw like a rookie card. I was like, what the hell? And I remember like back in the day, they used to have this thing called Beck's pricing. You could look up how much the card's worth. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. We're going off topic. No, you're fine, bro. You're fine. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I don't remember how much it was back in the day, but I, I, I can't even tell you where that card is right now because my mom gave away like all my shit from when I was a kid. She gave away all my baseball cards. Remember back in our days, we used to have like um, Pogs. Mm-hmm. She gave me all my Pogs. She gave me all my freaking action heroes, all my wrestling figures. She gave me everything. Yeah, I, I used to have like a bunch of, of comics. Like I had an X-Men comic. Uh, I think it was uncanny x-men number one i don't know where the fuck that shit is now it's probably my mom is like well she doesn't have an attic now because she moved i don't know man i hope she didn't throw that shit away i had superman one it's the the first um ever super first edition of superman and the way i accompanied all these things before my mom retired and when we were living in new york she was a um a nurse so one of her patients was a huge collector and he was a dealer so every time she would see something that she thought i would like she, she would just buy it. she wouldn't even ask her, she would just buy it so i had that too but again ask me where that is i'm sure it's worth some money i'm not saying millions but probably a couple thousand i have no clue where that comic is Bro. it's probably leveling someone's table somewhere i'm gonna have to get q to beat your ass <laughs> he's he's in the same thing he had pokemon cards worth Bro, thousands do you, of dollars do you know i just re- recently found out like the charizard holographic cards are like worth like like almost a thousand dollars bro i had four of those no wow. joke i had four four How of those motherfuckers now? i gave it to my, my my cousin who passed away i gave it to my cousin terrence um i remember yeah yeah, yeah. i remember yeah, him. so i don't know what he he probably did fucking sell those motherfuckers <laughs> knowing him um but yeah uh, to get back into we got off on a whole fucking tangent, here, tangent I what, know. what else do you want to talk about with the movie um so let, let's talk i'm I, I, I know i just we were just shooting uh keeping it real recording keeping it real and i t- talked about this podcast making me have a more enjoyment of film and like things like cinematography and soundtrack and this movie the soundtrack is phenomenal like i'm a huge fan of like 60s music and things like temptations and and you know going back uh you know not necessarily 60s even going back further than that mm-hmm. and we had some ben e king who sang stand by me which happens to be my wife and me's song um but yes a lot of benny king a lot of drifters we had arguably in my opinion the greatest rendition my favorite rendition of america the beautiful which is the ray charles version it's my hands down favorite um we had that we had to keep the original tequila so a really good soundtrack on this one <laughs> yeah and, and you know a lot of these 
coming of age stories in the 90s all had great soundtracks um this one definitely did as well um yeah i don't I, there's 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 nothing about and i don't ever want to make a movie seem like it's perfect again like this it's it, and it's hard for me with nostalgic movies but like this i look at as like one of those movies that i could watch anytime like i could and i could pick it up at any i can turn it on and it could be 30 minutes left in the movie i would probably have to finish it and know exactly word for word where it was at that point yeah and there's some movies like as i was watching this movie i I just kind of crossed my mind but there's been some movies in the past where i and actually i was listening to a podcast where someone was talking about this you're like you love movies so much when you're younger certain types of movies and you watch them back as an adult and they're so horrible right Mm -hmm. but and then sometimes you watch back in as an adult and you're like, God, this movie's horrible. When the hell is it going to be over? I didn't get that with this movie. I enjoyed it. Hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. I enjoyed every minute of it. I had the nostalgia. But even if I never saw this movie, I think I just still wouldn't enjoy it as an adult. One scene I want to talk about, I and mean, it's a pretty iconic scene um, in the movie, is we got to talk about it. As, as nasty as it is, we have to talk about it, is the Tilt-A-Whirl scene um, where they freaking eat the uh, chewing tobacco. Yeah. And um, which I have to off air, I have to tell you a story about me and the the first and only time I ever had chewing tobacco. Did you throw up? Oof, yeah. it's a it's a story, bro. I <laughs> threw up. I threw up, and I did a lot of other shit. Um, but um, yeah, that scene is like kind of iconic because people talk about it. And actually, I just did the research on it because I was trying to figure out like exactly what they used for the vomit. Obviously, it wasn't real vomit. So they used split pea soup, baked beans, oatmeal. And a little bit of water and what they call movie gel, which I have no idea what that is. They used paint guns to discharge it. And in some scenes, we actually saw like some like girls yelling because they got it on their feet. That was actually real because they accidentally nailed some people with it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So um, it was it was pretty cool to see that. I always was wondering what the hell they make vomit out of. And um, yeah. But what did you think about that scene? I mean, like you said, it's iconic. It's probably... <laughs> weird shit like we need to do like one day just do a list of weird shit because it's probably one of the best vomit scenes and all <laughs> you know which i vomit scene i think like also was very similar to this what? did you ever see um prom child 2 yeah yeah you do yeah. you remember the scene i'm talking yeah, about I know exactly yeah, that shit was worse than this yeah they, no, that, that shit was, was way worse than this yeah but yeah like, the scene like vomiting. them trying chewing tobacco is like if this was made as nowadays it would be weed Oh yeah, <laughs> was like nothing now. Yeah, yeah. Or Molly, you know. Oh now, Molly, that's yeah. a whole different. That's like, that's like a Quentin Tarantino movie right there. Or Molly, like dang, that's some crazy oh, shit. Oh man, man, yeah, that's fucking funny ass scene, bro. Yeah. Also, uh, something as much as I love this movie, there's some weird. I don't know if you want to call them plot holes or whatever, but like, I just happen to remember a couple. First of all. Um, when when Benny hits the ball and he he freaking hits the guts out of the ball, they have no more ball, and that's when Scott's like, "Oh, I got a ball, I got a ball." Smalls is like, "Yeah, I'll go get a ball from my dad, you know, my dad or whatever." And he got the Babe Ruth ball. Number one, he said that when the ball guts already broke, he was like, "Oh, now we can't play baseball anymore mm-hmm. unless if someone has ninety eight cents." So we found it at that point in ninety eight cents for a baseball. Now you're telling me with nine kids combined, they didn't have 98 cents before you answer that. Keep in mind the scene before this, they went to the fair, which is a, it was a dollar per ticket. And Benny was like, hold on, this one's on me. So he had $9 the day before, (laughs) but the next day he didn't have 98 cents. See, Maybe, maybe this is what, maybe this movie is really about the story of of a guy who just wanted to say, fuck his dad. And he, like, he knew what he was doing the whole time. So I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, he knew the whole fucking time. But also, we didn't really talk about this. Dennis Leary, who happens to be like a freaking gigantic actor, he was in this movie. I mean, I know he's in a small role, but yeah. believe it or not, this was his first major movie. Really? Yeah, first. He did like some shorts before this, but this was his first like major Hollywood movie. Oh, wow. And you can kind of tell because he wasn't, he was, he was kind of like, eh, I don't know that was, his character was supposed to be that way. I mean, he looked like he hated his steps on like, He'd be like beating the shit out of him and, you know, off screen yeah. or some shit. But um, he wasn't the Dennis Leary that it is now. Um, you could tell that he was kind of green. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was some other goofs. Like, uh, the, all the kids were supposed to be hardcore Babe Ruth fans. So when Benny signs the ball, how the hell does he sign Ruth, R-U-T-H-E? And you're supposed to be a, a huge Babe Ruth fan, and you, you don't even know how to spell his name? That, I, mean, I thought, was weird. Hey, I mean, these are kids, bro. Like you said, originally, what, they were supposed to be written for nine-year-olds? Yeah. I mean, like kids are dumb, ago. bro. Kids are dumb. Yeah, but what, at this point, what, what do you what do you think their age is supposed to be at this point? Would you say I, well, 14, I, yeah, they were probably like 12, 13. 12, 13? Okay. Teenagers are dumb, too. You'll see. I can't wait to you. I, bro, I as somebody who is le- legit over the time we've known each other, we've become close like family, I can't fucking wait till you have kids, bro, because I'm just going to be on the phone like, Oh yeah! Oh, you got thrown up on today. Congrats! I'll be calling you. I'll be phoning a friend and all. They're like, "Yo, this is a situation. What the fuck do I do, bro?" <laughs> Water it. Water it. <laughs> it's crazy. And how about how about? I mean, you're a big Star Wars fan. How about freaking Darth Vader doing a cameo? I mean, he never. He only voiced Darth Vader. He was never in the fucking suit. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give you a Star Wars some shine. That's a step in the right direction, isn't it? No, people know I hate that shit. (laughs) I mean, James Earl Jones. Like, this has to be a camp. Like, he's of course the biggest actor in the in this film at all. But my thing is, like, how do they convince him to show? Even though it's only like he's only on screen for what ten minutes total, probably. Yeah, probably. If if not less than that, like, it's just weird that they would get him to show up in this movie. Hey, it's a paycheck, bro. Maybe. A paycheck is a paycheck, Maybe. and um, yeah, it was fun. Like it was cool. I, I liked I liked his piece though because it was a little bit of a baseball nostalgia, and he talked about playing with Babe Ruth. And then he he's actually the one that bails him out of trouble because although the Babe Ruth ball is probably worth a lot of money, he is a murderer's row. And people who don't for non sports people, murderer's row was was the nickname of the 1927 Yankees. Their first um, I want to say their first six on the batting lineup. It had like famous people, um, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig and a slew of other people but that murder's row ball the last time i remember hearing anything about murder's row ball the last murder's ball that i know of sold for like over 125k so and this man just said here you can have this ball just make sure you come once a week and we'll talk baseball like bro you really are, are feeding that hard for friends you hey, about to give us ball for 125k? you know, you know you lonely, they say old money. people are bro like that you could buy hookers. Me. You could buy one hundred twenty-five thousand hookers. He's blind, bro. He does. He can't find the hole. He doesn't give a shit about. You don't need to find a hole. <laughs> the hole can find you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Any? What do you think? Any person that's about to sleep with Forrest Whitaker on their left side or whatever side it is, what do you think they do? It's the same concept. Yeah. True, true. You know what's funny to me is that a Babe Ruth signed ball has less value than a Murder's Row signed ball. Which, of course. But I mean, it includes Babe Ruth's signature. So it's like, I don't know. No, you said a, you said a Murder's Row is worth more, right? No, the opposite. A Babe Ruth signed ball is worth really? more than a Murder's Row, at least by what I just Googled real quick. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth ball right now sells for almost $400,000, whereas <laughs> a, a Murder's Row ball is 250000 
you know why though maybe and i i don't know well that doesn't make any sense i was gonna say maybe um a babe ruth solo signature is is more um scarce than a merge role but you're telling me there's more murderers like a whole freaking team signing a ball there's more of that than one person and the same person's on that ball so how does that even make sense yeah, i don't i the world of collectibles and value is a, is a crazy one that i don't because it would make your fucking head hurt. Like, if you watch Pawn Stars, the shit would make your fucking head hurt. Oh, I love Pawn Stars, though. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah Dan Hardcore Pawn. But anyway, um, the last thing I want to bring up about this, well, I got two more things, really. But the one thing I'll bring up during the ra- um, when we do our scores, but I don't know why. There's one quote in this movie that has always resonated with me. And I've used it so many times and I don't know why, because uh, for those who don't know, in my, my, my outside life, outside of this, I'm a sales manager. So like when you're a sales manager, a lot of things you have to, a lot of times you have to do a lot of coaching and motivation. And I promise you, I've used this quote a lot, maybe not in my current job now, but over the years, and I have absolutely no idea, but it's when Babe Ruth, quote unquote, the Babe Ruth comes to, to in Benny's dream, right before he leaves, he says, um, let me see if I can remember it now. He says, there's heroes and there's legends. And he's like, heroes never get forgotten, but legends never die. And I don't know why, like every time I, I used to do like a sales motivation speech, I would always use that speech when they're just trying to sell some sh- product. It's not <laughs> like they're doing some life altering thing, but I don't know why, like, cause every time I heard it, it would get me so motivated and hyped up. Like, yo, I want to get on the phones and kill the phones right now. There you go. And I, I don't know why it just always resonated with me and stayed with me for all those years up till now. I like it. It, it, it. it is an amazing quote. It's um now is that a quote? Is that something Babe Ruth has actually said, or was that just something that was done for the movie? Do you know? I don't know. I would assume he didn't know because yeah. he. I don't think he would have said that. It doesn't sound like his kind of personality. And Babe Ruth is kind of a dick. Like when you really yes, go back and think, that, he was. He oh, was you know what? Kind of a dick. I actually okay. You're right. He is. But now me and you have to fight now because. <laughs> When we did Keep It In Real, I made the statement that Sandlot is my favorite and I think the best baseball movie. And you were about to, like, jump through the, the freaking Oh, Feel the Dreams, bro? Fuck Feel the Dreams. See, that's fucking, that's, you're kicked off the fucking podcast. Don't come back no Who more. Who cares about Feel the Dreams, though? Who cares? Everyone cares about Feel the Dreams. Kevin garbage, bro. <laughs> I agree with that. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I love Sandlot, and it might be. Let me tell you, Field the Dreams is not in my top five Jesus. for baseball. So what? You, you, no love for Rookie of the Year, Chicago, bro. I Chicago Cubs. Rookie of the Year. Have you tried to watch it as a as a uh, adult? Saw it two weeks ago. That shit is terrible, bro. Little Big League. Okay, I'll give you Little Big League. Major League Two, and maybe one. Uh, okay. Then maybe a league of their own. Dream. A League of Their Own is yeah, better than okay. Field of Dreams. Yeah, yeah. A League of Their okay. Own is definitely better than The Field of Dreams. Um, uh, is there anything? I can't think of any other ones. Major League One, Two. I think we went over. Uh, I'm sure we're probably missing. Oh, well, no. There was other shit like Mr. 3000, oh, Mr. Baseball. I'm tripping. 42. Oh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's it, bro. You want to give your rate? <laughs> Are we giving ratings? I know we don't. We kind of do and don't on retro reviews. You giving ratings on this one? That's where we can do it. Um, before we do that, though, I just want to point this out. This is the last thing I want to point out before we do in the ratings. And we, I know no one gives a shit about Rotten Tomatoes, but I still like to bring it up as reference. Rotten Tomatoes, tomato meter, 61%. People, for, I mean, the critics, for some reason, hate this movie. I don't know why. That's not However, hate, bro. 61% isn't hate. That's not hate, bro. Bro, that's a C. That's a C minus. That's not hate. That's, 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 more, that's more than half. When you got movies that are getting like 20%, bro, that's hate. 
All right, fine. 61%. I think th- I still think it's shit. However, the audience will never lie, and the audience have it, has it at 89%. There you go. And like I said, Rotten Tomatoes, for me, with critics, it's because they're, they're retroactively going back and, and leaving their review for it. And like, especially with the quality of movies now, it's it, I can understand someone going back and rating that one lower. But in the moment, in 1993, when this movie came out, you can't, <laughs> I can't, I refuse to believe that. 40 no that would be 39 percent of critics hated this movie like i refuse to believe that back in 1993 you think more or less i think le- way less way less i honestly think this movie would easily easily been 80 percent rotten tomatoes if rotten tomatoes existed back in 1993 well i don't know because let's look, look if you look at the box office they budgeted seven they worldwide finished with 34 that but see that for and we don't even know if it had a wide release like we don't we don't know that yeah I mean, plus movie tickets were probably a lot exactly. well, yeah they were cheaper they were back then remember when it was like four dollars and 25 cents to go watch a movie yeah so uh, yeah i mean easily this probably would have been a hundred million dollar movie oh yeah with, absolutely I, with, I agree even, with even with inflation on both the budget and the box office it yeah it I, I, it, it was it was a hit and I mean, on film frequency, we, on film frequency, on uh, keeping it real, the last episode we were talking about sequels. This movie had a second sequel. It was all oh female God. that did horrible. And I actually didn't know this. I found this out today, just on research. Did you know there was a third movie? I know there was a prequel. Is there a? It's a, that's probably the third movie. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that, and it's based on these characters. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I I, I saw part of Sandlot too, and I'm like, what is this garbage? And I just turned. I, I, and I, actually, the the in the the most recent one that came out in the 2000s 2007 uh squints came back i i yeah i think i remember reading something like that but was he played squints right yeah okay yeah yeah maybe i'll give that a watch i don't know yeah that's that's uh, i'm waiting on the disney plus series that's what i'm waiting on yeah uh my rating for this one is a solid b plus so i like doing out of five stars so i'm gonna for the nostalgia for a lot of things we mentioned i'm gonna go Similar to your rating, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a four and a quarter out of five stars. There you go. I'll give it, if we, just so we can keep the same rating system, I'll give it a four out of five. There you go. There you go. Well, JB, tell the beautiful people where they can find you and what we got coming up. Well, that's the thing. I'm just going to be honest. We don't know what the fuck we're reviewing, right? So we have a week, a full, one full review between now and when we, our next full review, which is going to be Harley Quinn. Have we decided what we're going to be reviewing? No, but you know, let me tell you something. For those people who listen, first of all, thank you so much for all the love and support. Number one, number two, for those who are wondering, I'm going to just peel behind the curtain. When Hayes and I come on, we do not discuss what we're going to talk about. We don't have a script. We don't have guidelines. When we say we're the professional unprofessionals, it's true. But we enjoy doing that way. It's just. It's better that way. We have absolutely no idea what episode we're doing next, but I enjoy it that way. <laughs> I mean, and you better we, believe it's going to be something good. I mean, we do plan out as far as what we're going to record ahead of time. We don't just show up like and say, "Oh, what we're talking about today." We don't do that. We do no, know no. what we we. It's just at this point now, with it being January and it being a bunch of fucking horrible movies, it's like we have to decide between the gentleman. We have to decide between the turning or like to pull something out of our ass. I don't know what's on Netflix that we can review. I know Netflix has some stuff. Um, I mean, Fall from Grace, I heard it was pretty shit. That's Tyler Perry's movie. Um, I, I was going to actually do a solo review on that for our YouTube yeah, channel. I was like, that, I mean, if, if you, this, I don't even know if me and you ever talked about this. I'm 110% against anything Tyler Perry. 
And here's I, why. My wife loves Top Gun. Because him. every movie that he has is the same bone script. Like, he just changes little things. He's such a fucking lazy writer. And he's become that way over time. And that I feel like that's a slap in the face. And I get it. He has his fan base, people that will watch it no matter what he does. But I feel like at this point, there's so much out there with movies. For someone to be so lazy that all of their the theme of every one of their movies and the basic script is almost the exact same, I just personally I, I get offended by that. And I and I get what he's done and what he's been able to accomplish and the levels he's been able to reach, and I respect that. He's put a lot of people on. He's cast a lot of people that people that like nobody else would have cast in these big name movies. But I just feel like he's a lazy writer, bro. Yeah, I've ne- I've never from day one ever been a fan of his. In the, I know the Medea movies and whatnot. I've never been a, a fan of his. I don't know why. It just never resonated with me. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll find something. I mean, Netflix does have some other things. I heard a movie called A Sun. I think it's a foreign film, but I heard it's supposed to be good. And oh, fucking, we might have to do Parasite. We did talk about well. We t- yeah, well, actually, we did talk. Well, we talked about Doom Parasite for the minis, but yeah. we'll talk about it off camera. Well, at the end of the day, as as always, we always bring the good shit. So we'll definitely have something ready to go for you guys. Absolutely. Tell for those who miss film frequency, tell everybody what's been going on in our world. What's been going on with our Bad Boys review? Oh, Bad Boys review is definitely the biggest episode we've done so far. And I want to thank you guys for showing out and supporting that um, because the numbers of that one have easily been like triple what our highs have been at this point so uh the fact that that you guys are a listening we're continuing to gaining uh listenership as we go you know we rebooted this podcast what about two or three months ago at this point um yeah yeah so i mean for it to even if it's even been that long um, i want to say maybe beginning of december yeah Perhaps so i can check yeah so the fact that um you guys are supporting the way that you are and you're turning out for it and our facebook group is like almost at like we're almost at 250 i think we're at like 227 or something like that i, like, I think so we're definitely almost 230 so it's crazy it's just crazy we really do appreciate you guys for it absolutely 100 give them your social media jb time to hit the head but it um i can be reached on twitter at the p1jb and of course you can find me on facebook as well javid bashrula and you can follow me at ceo hayes it's at ceo h-a-i-z-e you can also follow us collectively at the film bros pod you can send us any feedback questions comments concerns the film the film frequency pod at gmail.com and that's it that's it and what what is what is the, what is your profit prophetic statement you make all the time? We're gonna be what? We are soon to be the number one film and movie review podcast around period point blank. If you disagree with it, you can see me, you punk bitch. But that's it for this week. <laughs> and when we are number one, we will be number one forever. Yes, there you go. Forever. Cue the NWA music. I mean NWO music. Fuck. No, that wasn't that was an NWO. You said NWA. That was supposed to be squints from the movie. Oh, well, but yeah, NWO works as well. Not NWA, but NWO. <laughs> We're out this bitch. Peace. Peace. <laughs> yeah she said don't you dare make me sound superficial she's standing you can't see her she's like basically right behind the camera you can't see her uh, okay no but did she hear what i said no she can't hear uh, you she heard me okay. yeah <laughs>
She said, don't make me seem superficial. <laughs> All right, let's knock out this uh, Sandlot review. You ready? You ready? Is that a yes? You just got quiet. Like, you got to give me some type of said, nod, I motherfucker. Said, like, tell I me said, something. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> what do you want to get? All right, come on. <laughs> you want to see this?